0: Game. Many levels in this game, levels in this game, but in this game, devil in, in this, this game, w- game. in in this game, this in this し- game, game. The game. this Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. As I said on the Monday show, this, uh, this is a special show. So this is technically going to be the episode, the match of the month for September. And I'm justifying that because one's my show and two, because I had this idea just to do something different. And I felt like now that the, the record has is we don't know what the record's going to be at because as I'm recording this, it's actually the Monday before um, all in. Whatever the record is going to be, we won't know until maybe later on next week. But whatever record it will be, it will be for a while. Uh I say a while, maybe a year or so. And then WWE break it, and AEW may break it. It's going to go back and forth as these companies it will have the fans going to these events, right? The wrestling has not been hotter. And yes, rating-wise, you can say Attitude Era was it was hotter ratings-wise, but this is different. This is much different. This is uh, both companies are fucking global, which is it's awesome. You know, so I had this idea. I don't know how I came up with it or it just, just came to me, I guess. But I said, uh, let's do like a road to Wembley and tell people the story of particular wrestlers that were outside the company. I decided to use the WWE people because for the most part, anybody who listens to AEW for Monday show for AEW, you guys know this stuff. You guys are diehards with the elite and stuff like that. So I said, let me just touch on some people in their road to Wembley, and I chose five people, and we will hit them up and we will hit them up different, differently, and tell you where they went to and how they got to where they're going to be and they're in their match. So we start with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is obviously one of the bigger reasons, big reasons why they were able to get a TV deal. Like, even Jericho said in the interview, he said, I wouldn't have signed with AEW if they didn't have a TV deal on the on the table. Excuse me. He had a sip of this, some nice tea. Can't remember the name of it, though. But I want to give it a shout-out, but I don't remember the name of it. Um, But, he was saying how he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have gone, signed if it wasn't a TV deal on there. And he was the first AEW World Heavyweight Champion, uh, Ring of Honor World Champion. He's done a lot of things here, some good, some bad, you know, it's just whatever, he's he's older now, so now he has more creative freedom, so he's just trying things, you know, uh, one of my favorites of all time, and we're going to start with Chris Jericho, when he was teaming with Kevin Owens, so how that came about was, Chris Jericho's cutting a promo, and he's cutting a promo, I think, with, I think it was Ty Grisham that was interviewing him, and he was saying, this is when he was feuding with Enzo and Cass, and he's making, I remember it was a pretty good promo. And I remember uh, Kevin Owens walked in on it and said that he had his back. And then they end up tag teaming against Enzo and Big Caz at SummerSlam that year. And from then on, they were just a team. Now, insert at that same SummerSlam, the Universal Championship was created, and it was going to, we were going to crown the first champion that night. They were going to crown the first champion that night. Finn Balor wins the match, but loses ultimately because he gets hurt in the process. And some would say he isn't recovered from that. Some would say he just started recovering from that. It's all opinion-based, so go with what you think. So, all of a sudden, there's an opening now. And I remember the buzz for that night. I remember that night. Because it was a fatal four-way match, elimination match, to determine the new Universal Champion. And I don't remember who was in the match. I, was, I, I Big Caz was in the match. Kevin Owens was in the match. Seth Rollins was in the match. I don't remember the fourth member of that match. And... I was going to do research, but I said, you know what? Let me just free flow this thing as much as I can. Cause I have notes, but I want to free flow it. And I remember the buzz for that entire week once we found out what the match was going to be. I remember it was the internet was ready. And there was that meme of Austin at 97 Royal Rumble. Where he's looking at his wrist and looking at the watch. And I remember seeing that meme all over the internet. So I think I still have Facebook at that time, I think. And it was like, I'm just waiting for Kevin Owens to be the new universal champion. Because... He was really the only logical choice in that match to take the, take the reins up, like. And Seth Rollins, you would think, well, he was in the match, but it just didn't feel like. It just didn't feel like Seth Rollins was. Um, how do I put this? It just didn't. Seth Rollins had no buzz. And it just didn't feel that way. And I'm Ever saying Kevin Owens had a buzz, buzz, but it was. It just felt like it was. It was a misfortune for Seth uh, for Finn Balor, but it was. Kevin Owens' fortunes. It, it didn't feel like it was that for, for Seth Rollins. So we have the match, and you have Triple H coming, and Triple H kicks uh, Rollins, pedigrees him. Owens covers 1, 2, 3. Owens is the new Universal Champion that starts the feud with Seth Rollins and uh, and, uh, and, uh, Ro- and Seth Rollins and Triple H, and that leaves Kevin Owens to be the new Universal Champion. In this championship run, some people will say it was... Bogged down by a lot of bad finishes, a lot of uninspired creative. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the Kevin Owens and Jericho team, uh, where we had the list being more popular. We had random feuds. Jericho played foil to Kevin Owens. Um, I do think there was some good stuff in that time. Uh, But the creative was supposed to be, and Jericho has said this, and I think it's been confirmed by even Goldberg. The original match at that year's WrestleMania, the following year's WrestleMania, was supposed to be Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. They were supposed to be, not the main event, but they were supposed to be, that was supposed to be the match. Well, it just still happens that WWE was able to sign Bill Goldberg, which changed every creative plan possible once they got him. And so then the plans were made for Goldberg to then... Take the Universal Championship away from Kevin Owens, and wrestle Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship, which didn't need a title, but that's what they wanted to do. So then, this changed the plans and made Kevin Owens win the United States Championship. Him and uh, Jericho to break up, and then those two would wrestle. So they had a match. Um, I don't. The, ma- the match was. I remember the match for several spots, but the match was all right. You know. It was a nice mid-card match for the United States Championship, and at the end of it, both Owens and Jericho have said this. They go through the curtain, and Smith said, "That's the kind of match you guys are gonna have. If I if I wanted that kind of match, I can game one have that kind of match." She was very very under underwhelmed. Well, at that point in time, Jericho knew. Look here, with him saying that, I'm never gonna be anything more than a mid-carder. My my main eventing days are over as a solo artist. So with him, he started looking for the next big thing, and this is when, at the time, his Jer- Jericho's contract will expire. And Jericho did. Jericho had a, a long history of doing this. Like Jericho will work until his contract expires in WWE. Like he, I don't, I'm sure he has the same standard contract as everybody else. Three months three months of no, no TV on wrestling, whatever, right? But because he always worked until his last day of his contract, uh, in some cases, like in 2005, he worked even after his contract because. If you guys don't know, his contract had ended like the day of SummerSlam when he was facing uh, John Cena for the world championship. And he signed a one day extension just to put Cena over again and be fired on the way out the door. Um, But he's always worked and to the last day. So he's really hasn't had to do the three month clause thing, right? So his contract expires and Jericho starts just doing random things. Now he still showed up. Because he had lost the United States Championship back to Kevin Owens. Then he ended up winning it back in a surprise match. And then he lost it back to him. Then he was, you know, gone. And he was just doing different things that year. And so then all of a sudden, we have, and this was big news when it happened. We have Kevin, uh, Kenny, o, um, Kenny, o, Kenny Omega uh, finishing his match. He was a United States Champion at the time of Neutraman. And all of a sudden, we have the big screen pop up. And we have Chris Jericho talking to Kenny Omega. And he challenges Kenny Omega to a match at the Tokyo Dome, Alpha versus Omega. And o- Omega steps, accepts accepting in uh, Japanese. And the place went crazy. And this was the brainchild of Don Callis putting this together. And according to Jericho, he had said, hey, I got this opportunity. He went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, I have this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. McMahon said, sure. Nah, why, why wouldn't you? You'd be foolish to not take it, right? And so it just so happened that uh, literally two weeks after this happens... Jericho makes a surprise appearance on Raw, gets a monster pop where he uh, plays the guitar and makes fun of Eli- Elias, I remember this, and I remember the pop he I remember like Elias is like walking with his guitar, and he stops, he looks, and the camera pans over, and you just see Jericho, and I remember the pop was crazy, one of the loudest pops he's ever gotten for sure, um, not the loudest, but one of the loudest, so anyways is having the match with omega does big business for new japan now meanwhile this is the match that sparks the idea in tony khan's mind that there should be another company that there can be another company in the united states that can bring pro wrestling to fans and it can be an alternate so all of a sudden this happens and then we start seeing and then at the same time and here's why i was gonna put cody in this uh because he's his stories, but we don't need to have him in the whole thing. But essentially, then that's when Dave Meltzer was answering it. He's Dave Meltzer will answer your questions on Twitter, like for as much hate as he gets, this man answers like, like legit. He, I don't follow Dave Meltzer, but he's like under my recommended, so like he will just keep going and get instant. I see him answering questions all the time. Simply, Meltzer was asking was being answered asked a question. Hey, can a company do a ten thousand seat venue? And he said no not right now and Cody said I'll take the challenge and they did and they fulfilled that and you had all in with the help of ROH and so Jericho then signed officially on the dotted line and since Jericho has been in AEW we've seen him win the first AEW World Heavyweight Championship he held it until he lost it to Mox Moxley like six months later he's started two different groups the Jericho Appreciationist Society which has been whack in my opinion but he had the inner circle which I think was uh, criminally underused Utilized uh, Santana and Ortiz um, his connection with Sammy Guevara is um, that, that I think can really still help Sammy you know um, become a bigger star than what he is um, but this has been his road to Wembley um, he is a huge part of AEW when we already know he's going into WWE Hall of Fame at some point, we know that he's. I know a lot of people say there's, a, there's only a few big names left not really, if you think about it Reigns, Rollins Moxley Jericho I know Triple H would never do it but I'm assuming someone would ask Triple H to go in solo you still have Evolution you still have Batista, you still have Randy Orton <laughs> you, 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 that's eight right there off the top of my head. You know, and we, and that's not us even talking about even more of the generation that we have now. We have Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Their careers are far from over. You know, Kevin Owens literally has been invented two WrestleManias in a row. Who thought they would ever see that? But this is one of the names that will go in, and when he goes in, it will be a big deal. When AEW creates a Hall of Fame, he will be in AEW's Hall of Fame. This, He has made it to where... Even though sometimes he. Uh, his feuds. Sometimes it feels like he could be a Triple H. And I say that, I do say that with disrespect. Sometimes his, his matches don't need to be as long as they are. Because he can't go like he used to. So he doesn't need to go 15, 20 minutes anymore. You no, know, 5 to 8, to 10 minutes is not bad. Like with, with his ROH World Championship run, he had some really good matches in there. He really did. You know, so. It's in moderation. It's in moderation. But that is Chris Jericho's road to Wimbledon. Next up, Adam Cole. We had Adam Cole. We're going to start off here where Adam Cole at the time was the longest-reigning NXT heavyweight champion. He – no, no. I think Braun Breaker's broken that since. He has a match at the Great American Bash, which was taped. And it was the first ever and so far, one and only – time where the U- North American champion was challenging for the world championship and it was title for title. He ends up dropping that title to Keith Lee and Keith Lee is still the only guy to simultaneously to simultaneously hold the North American Heavyweight Championship and the NXT Heavyweight Championship. After this, he has a bunch of random feuds and he was mainly just sticking around in and, and there for Undisputed Era. and It was a, kind of a shocker that They hadn't called him up, but then we will find out why later. So as his contract is coming up, he signs an extension to put his friend Roderick Strong over really strong in that brutal cage match. So then Adam Cole has a uh, conversation with Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon has all these ideas. How he wants to change his name, change his look. How he wants to have him manage Keith Lee. All these things. And due to these things that were pitched to him, which he said were very respectful, he decided to forego re-signing with WWE and just signing with AEW, where he immediately came in and he was a factor with the Elite. And it was clear what they were building to. They were building to a fracture within the Elite. And that would lead to Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole big-time match eventually. Well, Bobby Fish um, left AEW. What's his name? I, I, I have his Twitter name in my in my, uh, in my uh, head. RK Combat. Kyle O'Reilly um, is hurt. He's seriously hurt. He, it's who knows when he's coming back. And so then it just led to a bunch of uh, matches and changing of directions. Then the, the thing happened at Forbidden Door 2022 that changed his life. You know, he caught a concussion. He was clearly concussed um if you i remember watching that match and saying how weird it was because uh jay white protected him because he was going to kick out and jay white forced to count forced him to stay down for the three count and that ended the match and then that concussion put him out for nine months where it was dealing with his mental health it was dealing with him not knowing if he would ever wrestle again he just didn't know and he was dealing with a lot of things, and AEW was being very protective, very cautious with them, because, you know, it was very serious, and they just didn't, they just didn't know. And so, and so, uh, he then comes back, has a feud with Chris Jericho, which was kind of whatever, and then he has a random match with MJF, which ended up going to a time limit draw, which was a fantastic match, and then it led to the bromance that we've had. And I, I, on my predictions this past Monday, I chose MJF to retain. Something in me says Adam Cole's leaving out of All In with that World Heavyweight shit. Something in me is saying Adam Cole's leaving as the AEW World Heavyweight Championship around his way. Something in me saying it. I don't know why, but something in me is saying that. But think about this story. This, this time last year, he was hurt. Didn't know if he was coming back or not. And now he's headlining, which will be the highest. Um, attended wrestling event in the history of the business. My God, what a story that is. Um, I I don't know what I, I've actually had this feeling in me for like two weeks now. And on Monday when I did my predictions or on Sunday when I recorded and did my predictions, this is actually Monday. Um, I just said MJF because I just don't I, but then again, I don't know what the, 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 the key factor here is all out. We only have two matches signed for that. I just don't know what you do it all out to where it's going to be so different to where you are going to. AEW diehards are going to pay for and go to all out no matter what and pay for all out. How are you going to make that entertaining? Now, I now Don't me wrong. I'm happy to see Miro versus Hobbs. That's going to be a fucking fantastic battle. Darby versus Luchasaurus. uh, uh, But I I just don't know what the main event is going to be of that. So I don't know. But something in me says Adam Cole does a swerve here. And Adam Cole's definitely going to leave with that World Heavyweight Championship. Even if he has it for a week, I get a feeling he's leaving with that that championship. I, I don't know why. Anyways, number three on the road to Wembley. We have Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland, his story is very unique. So he goes to WWE. He goes to NXT. He's floundering for a while. And then he's added to Hit Row. Mind you, just in case for you guys who don't know, Hit Row did not have Swerve Strickland in it at first. He was added to it. Swerve Strickland was the incarn- incarnation that you have right now with Bianca. Uh, no, her name's not Bianca. Um, I forgot her name. Damn, that's rough. <laughs> with Top Dollar and you know the group. And so, um, and my apologies for saying, I forgot her name. But um, they that, that actually brought him life. And so all of a sudden they have these cool prom- uh, uh, promos and vignettes and stuff. And uh, then all of a sudden he wins the United States, excuse me, the North American championship. And then proceeded to have probably some would say the worst run in history with it. Cause they, because and this is where the right hand wasn't talking to the left hand. He wins the championship. And then Vince McMahon, apparently according to uh swerve the day after he wins it, because at that time, uh, Connecticut had went down to Florida, which was Bruce Prichard, which was Vince McMahon, which was John Laurinaitis. They had went down to the PC to check out the talent down there and see for call-ups. And I remember so many people online at the time saying, please don't call Pit Row. Please don't call Pit Row. They're not going to do it justice. Please don't call Pit Row. And Top Dollar, whose tweet has not aged well, we'll get to that in a second. Well, the day after he wins the North American Championship, Triple H gets the call that they're being called up. So the plans, he doesn't know what the plans were ever going to be because Triple H said, hey, I got to send you up. So we have to find a way to get the title off you. But he didn't want to set up any big feuds or plans because at that point in time, he was like, I don't know what to do. I had to, to make sure I find the right person to take it off him, which was Carmelo Hayes later on. But that's why he had the brush running with the North American Championship is because it was... Cut from underneath him. So, Hip hey was on the main roster for a total of a month before they all get fired. So then, Swerve Strickland takes some time off and then he signs with AEW making his debut at Revolution. And then he ends up proceeding to have a great tag team championship run with Keith Lee. I remember when they first won the championships, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. We never got to pay off to this feud, uh, which we're never going to get, which is fine. But, we had a hell of a match of the year candidate with them and the acclaimed all out that year, which they ended up retaining. They ended up losing the titles the next month, but he's since then, he's been on and off TV. He's been more consistently on TV recently with the mogul affiliates. He's a faction. He's leading. And now his road to Wembley ends with him in a coffin match with AR Fox versus Darby Allen sting. Next up FTR in NXT. They were known as the revival. And they had classic matches with DIY and other tag teams. They had a nice healthy run with the tag team championships and then they get called up. They make their debut on the main roster by attacking the new day. So they look like this new badass team. And they that was the only time you would see them being badass, with the exception of when they had a very short heel run with Randy Orton, where they were beating up the New Day. And you thought that this was gonna be something and it turned out to be nothing. It was unfortunate. Well then they ask for their release and or they and they won't get the release. But then what ends up happening is they end up their contracts end up getting out, but then they say, you know what? We're gonna attack on time. They said, No, get, give us our release. Got the release, they gave up copyrights and everything to get out of that company because they knew they weren't going to be used right. So then they make their debut at Daly's place during the pandemic, saving the young bucks. And I will say this they actually won the AEW World Heavyweight Tag Team Championships before the Young Bucks did. The Young Bucks ended up beating them for those titles, and then they joined the Pinnacle. Pinnacle was another group that had much longer of a shelf life, uh, becoming a vehicle for all five men. Well, either way, as the different parts of the Pinnacle fracture off, the FTR just gets hot. And it starts with their first match in Texas, Against the uh, against the Briscoes, which was a five star, and then they end up winning the Arwish. they win the Arwish Tag Team Championships, and then they have a run with those titles. They already had the AAA titles from the year before. They're defending those titles, and then they end up winning the New Japan Championship Tag Team Championships. They lose all of them, but they they were the belt collectors for a while, and they become the hottest team in 2022. Then they both take some time off. They sign re a new contract with AEW. And then they're just kind of floundering for maybe a month. essentially, this was all waiting until Collision. Then Collision comes up. Well, before Collision comes up, they win the tag team titles for the second time. Only the second team to do that AEW history. And once they do that, they now have been on this run. That may be cut short. And look here. I predicted FTR winning and retaining. I would not be surprised if the Bucks won. Because of Cash's circumstances. Um... It doesn't look like he's going to be suspended because there's been no no charges or anything. So because there's not any actions, I get. I, I don't know if the, I don't see AEW taking action now. Now maybe if he does have to, you know, maybe if there are some something he's charged with or whatever, maybe then they'll take him off there. I'm gonna say that they're gonna keep them on them. I'm gonna say that. I I don't say that. I, even I, I was feeling the fury to a certain extent on my, uh, Sunday when I recorded that episode. As some of you guys have already heard, um, so I may feel I'm not I'm not as positive as I was when I first said it, but I, I think they're still going to retain. But either way, that's their road to Wembley. This is their third match with the Bucks. They've been good at spreading these matches out. Um, and look here, they've had two great matches before. This will be the biggest stage you can have. This could be the match that would steal the show, and be the match of the, <clears throat> excuse me, and be the match of the night without a shadow of a doubt. You know, but their road to to Wembley has not been easy, but they just caught fire. And this is the reason they left WWE, because this is what they knew they could do. And they did it. And finally, one last road to Wembley. We have Tony Storm. And for the record, no, I didn't put Tony Storm in there because she's just, we needed a woman. I put Tony Storm in there because I looked at her NXT run. Take a sip of some tea. I saw her running NXT, started running NXT UK, main roster. And I was like, this is one of the more fascinating runs. Think about this. She's on NXT UK. She defeats the first ever NXT UK champion, which was Rhea Ripley. So then once she loses the title, she didn't get sent to NXT proper. She flounders in NXT proper. I can't actually remember. I I did research, but there was nothing of note she actually did on the main NXT brand. And then she got called out. And boy, oh boy, was that a shit show. So she gets called up. She has a feud with Charlotte Flair for the world's championship, which is, that's cool. You would think that's awesome, right? It was anything but. She had cake thrown on her face. She threw cake on their face. And then you have this weird story where she was asked to go to a live show in Maryland, I believe, or D.C. And according to some, she refused to go. According to others, she went and when she was backstage, she said, yeah, I'm just going to go home. According to her, she felt like she wasn't being used properly and she was being disrespected. So she said she did admit that she just quit. She said, yeah, I'm good on this. And then she was out of, I think she waited her contract out, which was like five or six months. And then she just showed up on an um, AEW. She had signed with them. And honestly, she was floundering for a while. She ends up winning the NXT, oh, excuse me, the AEW Women's Championship. She was the interim champion because Thunder Rosa had surrendered it. So she was the interim. And then by the time she lost it to Jamie Hayter, they then made her a proper champion. So she was no longer having the interim title, which it's potato, potato. Uh, it, it, look here, if you were at one point in time was the world champion and you were, you were the interim, you were still the world champion. That's just me and how I see things. Uh, life doesn't have to be this complicated. That's just me, though. Um, but anyways, so then all of a sudden, Soraya gets signed. They decide to put together this women's group called the Outcasts. I still don't quite understand where this keel turn came from. It's still very, uh, what happened? Um, anyways, um, uh, I still don't quite understand where this came from. I can care less about it. But she ends up getting a second Women's World Championship run due to Jamie Hayter being hurt. And by the way, I just got my Jamie Hayter action figure in uh, in the mail the other day. Uh, she looks pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so she just recently lost the title to her Kiroshita, who had the longest run, who still has the longest run on record um, for a women's championship. But she had that under the pandemic. So now she's been in front of fans, which I'm sure she's super happy about. And now she's transformed into this Marilyn Monroe type of character that's super dramatic. She's telling every interviewer to shut up. This interview is over. And she's like super insulted. Um, she's not going to win her championship back, unfortunately, for her. But the fact that she's a part of this four-way is a really big deal. And let me tell you something before I end this. I genuinely thought I was going to put Saraya in this. But because she's been inactive and because WWE really didn't use her. After she was managing the Kabuki Warriors, she just been out. So her story is pretty dope, you know. But she wasn't doing anything, you know. These people were being misused in some situations. And Tony Storm situation, there was some mystery behind what even happened that day. But she's come out to yeah, just quit. So look here, she did what's best for her, and now she's going to be in front of over eighty thousand people fighting for a women's championship which i'm still pissed off that it's still as of this recording only one woman's match announced which is unacceptable it's just bullshit but anyways that is your match of the month for september just remember this because there is not going to be that but i know you guys are still going to at me because you guys won't remember but this is in honor and uh, appreciation of what we're about to see i am this little chemical this is i see things a little differently and i am out